Amen. Amen. Well, guys, tonight we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. We want to invite you to be there with us, and one of the ways you can do that is through the booklet that we had available at the door. Just as a way that as we work through the book of Proverbs, we're doing something a little bit different. We've printed the entire uh, text of Proverbs chapter 4 in this, and we want to invite you, if you want to use this this evening to kind of journey with us through this, the chapter, you're welcome to do so. Now, if you don't want to and you want to use your own Bible, you are welcome to do that. But we do invite you to this. Hey, for those who are online, want to give you the same invitation and let you know, hey, if you're looking for this, it actually is available on our website right now. So you can go to our website and under messages, you would find a, a PDF that you could download. So if you wanted to use a booklet, uh, you could do so. And once more, we're inviting you to. One of the reasons we're doing this is both the, the nature of the book of Proverbs, that just the, the way it kind of works, it's especially going to be so as the more we get later in the book of Proverbs, so this is kind of like gearing up for that. And we're hoping it's something that you could use in taking notes this evening, and part of the reason of using a booklet is you can circle and underline and do more than you might do in your Bible, and I hope you would, and maybe go even beyond uh, what we cover this evening, that both spending time in it now, but even going back to it tomorrow or this week, you could do so, and hoping that in it, God would meet you and drawing you to what he has for you. So with that, let's take a moment. Before we dive into our study, I'm going to just lead us in prayer. I hope you would pray as well. Let's ask that God would just meet us and help us understand what he has for us and speak to you and I through his word. I'm going to pray, but again, please quietly pray as well that God would meet you. Here we are, God, just an, an evening getting to spend with you and an evening getting to study your word. Thank you. Thank you for it. Now help us not to miss it. So many factors could cause us to kind of skate through this and go through the motions even and miss actually hearing your voice. God, you know that. Would you be with us physically and emotionally and spiritually? Would you grant us help? to hear your voice this evening. God, so that both understanding the passage that we're going through, but God, in your favor, by your Spirit, speaking very specifically where that needs to be done, where you would show us out of this passage what is for us this evening. Help us to hear that, Lord. Right now we ask it, I ask it, as we look to you as the teacher, as the one that would open that up for us. We thank you for that, and thank you for this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wisdom is available to you. I mean, that has certainly got to be one of the things that you need to make sure you understand. Now, I think about it this way. I can say it so certainly because of what God tells us. I think about what he tells us there in the book of James. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Catch that last certainty. It will be given to you, him. Wisdom is possible for you. Wisdom is possible in your life. It's possible because our God is so incredibly faithful. Now, to get there, it's certainly a place where we have to recognize our need of it, where if anybody recognizes you need it. Secondly, it's to come to him, to ask him for that wisdom. Now, I'm hoping that's what's happening because he's a God who gives that, but he gives it in such a way that it's abundant, without reproach. He says it will be given liberally. That's an exciting venture to understand, again, that wisdom is possible for you. 
that you could be navigating the life that God is laying before you with more and more wisdom. That's a good, exciting understanding, and it's certainly one of the things that should undergird our study of the book of Proverbs. And as we journey into chapter 4, I hope you would see both that the possibility that's there, but the need to seek it. Well, that's in one sense what all of chapter 4 is going to be about. If you wanted to look for a theme that kind of ties together this whole chapter, it's a call for you to seek it. It's a call for you to recognize there's something there that can be gained, but it's an invitation for you to make that a pursuit. Well, much of what we want to talk about this evening is that let's quickly set a little bit of the parameters. We're here in chapter four, and it's a space where we're going to get the fifth of 10 times that God speaks as a father to his son or a father to his children, a place where he's going to do that in an incredible way. And this is, again, the fifth time we've done this already. And so it should be an understanding that should kind of govern the way we hear this, hearing it lovingly, graciously, personally, that God would work that. This section runs through the first nine verses. And so if you want to kind of mark it out as we've done in the last few weeks, I'm going to put a couple brackets. I'll put it over verse one, and then you could scan down to verse nine. And again, put some ending brackets around that to say, okay, however you want to do that, just to mark out this little talk that runs these nine verses from a father to his children, a way that's meant to be heard in that. Well, there in verse one, we notice how it begins. Follow with me. It says it this way, hear my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. So we get this invitation where he says here, and I'm going to go ahead and circle just the idea of my children. Again, it's an invitation that's into that, but some of you will notice all right off the bat, it's a little bit different. In fact, it's the only one of the 10 talks that doesn't specifically address it to the son, but here to children. And so you might just want to put a notation there. I'll put a little asterisk up there by children and put it over on the right side for me on my notes, that there is an aspect that this is a family discussion. Now, let me just be very quickly clear. There's no sense of, uh, of it being sexist or any of those things. It's not like he's talking to a son, but now, you know, sons and daughters. When he talks to a son, it's individual, whether it be a son or a daughter. But here it has the idea of almost sitting down, not just one-on-one. It's kind of like a, a family meeting, you know, where you kinda, you're not just, you know, speaking time to, to, to one person. It's as if some of you would do this as a family, maybe a family devotion or a space where you sit around the family and you, and you have a family talk. That's this. Where, where the father is addressing not just a single child, but all of them, and, and it's kind of setting it to be that way in a way that would help us to understand, would help us to walk in what that would look like, and certainly how he wants us to hear this. Well, he calls us to it, and again, he gives it to us this way, hear my children the instruction of a father, and give attention. Maybe again, that's the key thought. That's going to be so much in the midst of this entire chapter that wisdom should be and must be sought. We're literally going to say it a dozen times, maybe two dozen times in this chapter. And that's part of the deal. Some of you, by the time we can continue working this chapter, it's like, we already said that. <laughs> like, we already said that. Why are we saying it again? Because in some ways, it's kind of coming around it to say it again and again and again. Maybe because one of these will land with you in another way that others don't. Or maybe it's kind of like, you know, driving a nail home. Like, you have the hammer. It's just like, we're just going to say the same thing over and over so that the, the fundamental message 
of this chapter about wisdom is you should pursue it. This is something you need. This is something that's available for you, but it's not inherent inside of you. You need to seek it. You need to become one that that pays attention, that pursues, that makes this a priority. And again, I'm hoping, because you're here and, and you're journeying with us now, because you're joining with us online now, that you've already kind of, that's what you're here for. And we certainly want to call out to you that you would just make that a space where there would be a reality of, of what this would be like, that he would draw you and I to this. So with that in mind, he gives us this. He calls us to hear the instruction of a father, to give our attention to know that. And then he says it this way, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. Because these aren't always words that maybe we would quickly identify, I just want to give you a couple quick definitions. Doctrine, both used in the New Testament and Old Testament, simply means good teaching. When you hear that word, that's what it means. It's like, okay, this is going to be good. This is a good just kind of source or a good kind of flow in that. It's as simple as that, but as powerful as that. Whereas law speaks about something that's, you know, immovable, solid. It's something that doesn't change. It's truth, it's precept, it's direction that's like, this is firm. And he says, I want to give this to you. I want to give you good teaching. I want to give you that which would be solid and firm that wouldn't change in a changing world. Now, as he processes this to this, he kind of takes us back to how it worked for him. Solomon writing this and just again kind of trying to gather into this is kind of amazing. He says, when I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, And without spending a bunch of time on that, it's an interesting place. I mean, obviously, David, his world was confusing. David is his dad, which is interesting. But somehow sitting with Bathsheba, just sitting there in the midst of that, in the midst of this relationship, something that was just tender in that, he takes us to this place that he's going to communicate something that was communicated to him. Now, that's just a powerful reality. I mean, in a number of ways, without kind of diving further into Solomon and David, not really necessary, because it's not really the point here. The point is almost to feel the continuity and the way that it's supposed to happen. And if I can say it in a most simple way, that's the primary place it is supposed to happen. That this is the call of God throughout the Word of God, that parents are, are called, you know, to, to pass on the truth of God to their children. I, I hope you understand that. I really do. I know that for some of you, 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 your grandparents, I know for some of you, you have young kids, and, and I hope you just understand where this is. That's where the primary place of it is. The church never takes the place of the source of truth that's meant to be in the family. We, we come alongside, we, we help, we, we try to build up those families, but it's important that you see it that way. There is no sense if you have kids here tonight and they're in the back that you would look and think, okay, that's where they're getting truth. Like that's the source of wisdom and law in their life because the home, not so much. I just want to tell you, if that's all they get, they are in horrible shape because that's not meant to take the place of the family. The place that wisdom flows, that it flows powerfully, that truth flows powerfully, is meant to flow in the home. It is the primary place where that is meant to happen, and it is the most influential place across our entire nation. There is nothing that is changing lives more 
than, than the place of family within our nation right now. I mean, you just need to understand it. You've got to understand the spiritual battle for that, the things that are happening there. And so again, just quickly talking on it, and you could feel it hopefully here, that he's saying, I want to tell you something. I want to give you something, but it's flowing in this direction where I heard it. I'm now speaking it, Solomon says, to you. In fact, he continues on the next page of your booklet on verse 4. says, he also taught me, speaking of, of David, just speaking to him, and he said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. So again, he's kind of giving us this place where he says, okay, this is what was spoken to me. So let's do this. I'm going to just highlight with you two things. One, just the command that's being given, and secondly, the benefit. There's other nuggets in the text that if you want to dive into it in your own, you can, but let's kind of look through it. We're going to underline kind of the commands in these sections, really for the rest of the chapter, where he's going to say, this is something I want you to do, and then we'll circle kind of benefits. So we'd read this here. He says, he taught me, and he said to me, let your heart retain. Like that's, you, you need to make sure that this is something that in your heart you don't let go of. What I'm going to give you, you need. You need to keep them. You need to keep my commands. Like this is something you need to not just hear, but take it with you. Can you feel it for a moment? Could you almost sit there at a kitchen table as a father's looking at his children saying, I don't, I don't want you just to you know, get out of this and be like, are we done? Can I get up? You know, can, can I? It's like, I want you to remember what I'm saying. I want you to remember it tomorrow and the next week and next year. And fascinatingly enough, Solomon did. He says, I remember. I remember sitting there. I remember when my dad sat down and he told me what I'm getting to tell you. That's powerful. Again, that's just something we long to have happen, that there would be something that's there. He says, if you would do this, it would cause you to live. Like, you would really have life. Life the way that God wants you to be. Life the way that it's meant to be. Wisdom brings us life. It's powerful. He says, I long for you to have this. I long for you to, 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 to do this. And so he gives it to him this way. And again, you got to hear it, because this is, again, Solomon telling us what David spoke to him. He says, I remember I remember when he told me this, and he's now repeating what David told him, and he says it this way, get wisdom, verse 5, get understanding, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. I can let it just roll across you for a moment. Again, that phrase where he just looks and says, okay, this is what you need. And again, I'm just going to put a box around the whole thing because in some ways it stands out almost just jumping off the text again as part of this chapter. You need this. Get this. And so I'm just going to just circle, get this. Like you get this. Like this is what you, you need. This is what you, what you absolutely, so it's kind of like a fundamental thing. He says you just look at it. And again, it's so powerful within the Hebrew language, but it's, it's an idea that you need to do whatever you have to do to get it. Um, it could even almost be used in a uh, financial way, like buy this. I mean, whatever it costs you to get it, get it. So pause again and just understand. Wisdom's possible, but you're going to have to seek it. It's not just going to kind of like rise up in your heart. Like if you just sit there and just like, I'm just getting wiser because I'm sitting here. It's like, I need to pursue this. I need to figure out what it takes to get wisdom and I need to get wisdom because it's made available to me. It's, it's made possible. That's what Solomon remembers, his, his dad speaking into his life. He says, you know, I want you to get it, and I don't want you to forget it. <laughs> don't turn away from the words my, of my mouth. In fact, I'll just kind of underline even there in verse 6, because it's on the screen. Do not forsake her. He says, I want you to get it. 
You get wisdom, and don't let go of it. Like, you need this. This is something you can get, and I want you to get it. And again, he's just going to say, don't let go of it when you got it. Don't let it kind of move away from anything that's there. He says, if you would do this, if you would do this, he says, do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her. Again, I was kind of under the line the word love there. Love her. He says, and, and this would work good for you. So again, we're kind of using the underlines as the commands, and circling there, he says, it will preserve you, it will protect you, it will keep you. So again, he's saying the same thing with other words, like you should get this. You, make sure you get it, love this, pursue it, and it will change your world. It would, it, would, it would bring you to a place of protecting you, of keeping you, of drawing you to everything that's there, a place where that would be what you need. So continuing, it, he says in verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. He says, here's what you need, wisdom. It's, it's the thing we're talking about. It's the principal thing that, that would guide in, in so many ways. This is what Solomon is hearing. He says, you need to get this. Like, you need to get wisdom. And again, I just kind of circle those words, get, kind of just three times in the text there. Therefore, get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. So saying it again. This is something you should get. Recognize it's not a part of you. Recognize you need it. Recognize you would pursue it. He's using poetic language, by the way. So when he says, you know, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom and all you're getting, get understanding. It's not the idea that wisdom and understanding are necessarily different things. He's been using them as synonymous throughout the text. And so to probably try to, you know, say one is different than the other is not so much there, but it is practical. The idea of the idea of wisdom and understanding has the idea of not just head knowledge, but life knowledge, like how this works in you and what it would mean for you and, and how that would work. He says, and whatever you do, make sure that that's what you're getting, that you're not just getting facts, you're, you're gaining this which would show you how to live your life, that shows you the right way to do things, the right way to walk through things, and, and he's just pleading with, with him to hear that. So he gives it to him this way and kind of continuing to say it there in verse 8. He says, exalt her and she will promote you and she will bring you honor when you embrace her. So going back to our underlines, exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor, you know, in the midst of that when you, and I'll just underline, embrace her. Like you just exalt and you embrace. Like this is something you're going to say, this is worth having and I'm not again going to let it go. He says that would bring you, that would bring you promotion, that would bring you honor, that again would bring you into the things that would be so much a part of your life, the things that are so very necessary. As he lays that out, he, you know, just brings us to us, and he's calling us everything to this, and so he, he kind of reaches the, the pinnacle of this instruction, or the, the final place of it. He says, she will place you on your head an ornament of grace, and a crown of glory she will deliver to you. It's a pretty poetic thing, and I found myself trying to figure out how to circle and underline. I couldn't do it, so I'm just going to put a little box around the whole thing. So it's like, okay, here's what it would bring you. It would bring you grace. It would bring you this place of this ornament of grace. It would bring you glory. It would bring you a crown of glory. Now, again, this is what Solomon is speaking to his children. But one more time, it's what he remembers from his dad. He says, this is what my dad told me. I want to pass on what was given to me, and everything that is in this little section is the thing that he remembered out of what he heard, and he's passing it on. 
and he's simply saying, you want this. He says the same thing, and just over and over, so you probably should like, didn't we just say that? We just, we just said it. But he's telling us, you should get it. You should pursue it. You should make wisdom something that you recognize what it told us in James, right? If anyone lacks wisdom, it's kind of where it has to begin. You kind of have to come to the place where you admit, it's not in me. I need help. I got to admit my lack of wisdom. But God says, if anybody lacks wisdom, ask of God. Ask of God, and he'll give it. He will give it to you liberally without reproach. But there is that place of saying, hey, I need to recognize I need it to make this a pursuit of my life. It would bring in blessing inside of of who I am. And that's what he's kind of just giving to us in, in a powerful way where he's kind of granting us that space of saying, hey, this is desperately what we need. Well, that's kind of the end of this talk between his father and his children, but honestly, it's still the same theme as we move on to the, to the rest of the chapter, except it switches a little bit. So you get it there in verse 10, and here we're going to find kind of the sixth of the ten talks that are in the midst of that, that, that he's going to speak from a father to a son, and again, he gives it to us there in verse 10, hear my son. So we're back to that place where, okay, this was a family discussion we had a moment ago, but now it's back to an individual discussion. Now we're back to a place where it's personal. And so kind of continuing what his dad taught him, now he's teaching to his kids individually. Now he's passing this on and he's wanting it to hear there. This one runs, the rest of the chapter runs from verse 10 to verse 27. So again, if the brackets work for you, uh, you can put a bracket at the top of verse 10 and down at the end of it, you can flip all of your pages and down at the end of verse 27, close that bracket as kind of a continual kind of just spoken word that he's speaking here to his son saying, hey, this is what you need. So we're going to kind of keep at it. Again, it's the same theme, so hang with it. Don't, don't kind of, again, turn, tune out saying we already heard this. But again, we're just going to kind of underline commands and circle promises. So he says, hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to receive this. I want you to receive what I'm giving to you. I want you to hear these saying. And he says, that would bring life to you. It would bring, you know, your much life, much of life, both years, but really depth and, and power. And certainly, again, that's true, proverbially. They're just saying, hey, this would do this. Like, again, if you would receive truth and you would receive this wisdom, it would bring you into a place of wisdom. And so he gives it to us this way. It says in verse 10, 11, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. And I'll just, you know, just kind of leave that there again, because it's not so much of a command, but more of just saying, hey, this is what I'm trying to give you. I've taught you this. I've I've tried to give you wisdom. I'm trying to lead you in in right paths. I'm kind of causing you to to work in, in the midst of this. And so he gives it to us in verse 12. He says, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. If you would hear this, you receive this, it would keep you from being hindered, your steps from being hindered, it would keep you from stumbling. It would cause your life to be one where both progress could be made in the things that God has for you, but also you wouldn't step, stumble and trip up, which, I mean, if anybody's like really recognizes the need for wisdom, you're like, that's what I need right there. Like, I need to know what it is, the right, I need to know so that I'm not stopped or hindered, and I need to just not st- stumble. I need to be able to work, walk in the midst of this. And so with that, he begins to speak again what's needed. Verse 13, take firm hold of instructions. Do not let go. 
Keep her, for she is your life. So underlines, take firm hold of instruction, like grab this, <laughs> like grab this, take firm hold of it, don't let go of it, it's kind of everything in the, is in the midst of it. Keep her, because she is your life. And I'll just kind of circle that, because in so many ways it was kind of saying the same thing. That take firm hold of, do not let go, keep, are all the same things, like grab that, because that will be life to you. That will be life to you. Make sure that you pursue that. Make sure that, that you walk in that. Verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Don't let that be, you know, something that, you, that you're walking down. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. So now adding to this instruction, which is saying to us, hey, you need this, you want this, you really want wisdom. I mean, you need help, you need to recognize that's there. He now tosses in a warning, one that he's already given in the book of Proverbs, but gives it to us just very briefly. I'm going to kind of put it this way, and I think it probably makes sense, and you could go through and underline it, circle it differently. I'm just going to draw a little stop sign, you know, kind of over there on the side of this, and he's just saying, don't go down this road. Like, this is not where you want to go. Or if you really could, I mean, I, I was going to think about kind of trying to draw like an octagon around, you know, verse 14, because in many ways, he's just saying, when you see the entrance to that path, you know, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of it. Don't go down that road. Don't go down the, the path of the wicked, because that would be a path that would bring you destruction. And so he's kind of just setting up this stop sign, like, don't play with this. Don't, don't toy with this, because that's so often the idea. I mean, some of them are like, well, you know, if I knew it was a bad path, I wouldn't go down it. Well, that would be great if that were true. It's just not often true. I mean, we're not talking about the kind of thing where you didn't know it would be a bad path. We're talking when you know it would be a bad path. Don't go down it. Simple enough. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't go down it. Don't go down that path. Just stay away from the wrong thing. If you're going to walk in that which is right, stay away from the wrong thing. And so he kind of just begins this in verse 14 saying, don't enter that path. Don't walk in the way of evil. You know, don't be, avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. And he continues it in the next couple of verses on the next page. It says, for they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And the sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the, the wine of violence. So again, just to be simple and not dive deeply into this, he's just saying, don't go down it. This is not where you want to go. There are people who would do wickedness and they're so tenacious about it that almost they can't sleep because they want to do evil. You know, their sleep is taken away until they just hurt somebody. Don't go down that path. Don't let that be the course of life where you go. Don't be the one who you know, eats the bread of wickedness or drinks the wine of violence. Look on that course and say, I don't want to go down that path. That, that's, that's not, that would be destruction. And again, I find myself sitting here thinking, well, I don't know how you hear this. I mean, you, again, you might just be thinking, well, Jim, who would ever do that? We do. Some of you know exactly you do. Like you knew you shouldn't have gone down the path when you went down it. Some of you were looking, I mean, I saw it and... I blew right past the warning signs. But it wasn't like I didn't know. I, it's not like I was, you know, that I didn't know that that could be harmful, but somehow I just thought maybe it wouldn't hurt me, or I don't even know our own hearts. But if you recognize the need of wisdom, then there has to be this place where you say, as much as I recognize I need help from getting the right wisdom, I need protection from the wrong kind of wisdom, because that would only bring about harm. So Solomon is just kind of telling this to his, his son, saying, hey, this is what you don't want. You don't want that to be your path. Instead, you want a different path. 
So he highlights it there in verse 18 in an incredible verse, definitely one that is, there's a few really incredible nuggets in this chapter, and this is one of them. He says, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter under the perfect day. So, so here's the path. This is the path that would be the right path for you to be on. And again, it's just good to catch the contrast. You know, instead of being the wicked path that we just talked about, that you're not supposed to go down, so I'm going to circle the word but there because I want to make sure, hey, this is the different path. He says, this would be the path of the just. This would be the good man, the, the good woman. This would be the one who does it well, who chooses to do life the way it's meant to be lived. He says, that path would be one that shines brighter and brighter uh, unto the perfect day. That would be a path that's on this upward progress, which is the way the right path is supposed to be. Now, let's just pause and just let this soak in for a moment. It's an honest assessment, both of the life that we're living and the course that we want to go down. It's meant to get better and better. It's meant, we're meant to be growing. We're not perfect. We're, we're not going to be perfect until we see Jesus. But the path that we're supposed to be on is a path that's supposed to be moving upward. Now, that's an exciting reality. But I can tell you, I think it's meant to be a promise if you're a follower of Jesus. See, I, I think about it this way. In a very familiar verse that Paul shares there in Philippians, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says, here's what I'm confident about. And my confidence is that he's speaking to the Philippians about his confidence in their life. His confidence is, if God has started a work in you, he doesn't quit. If you are truly a child of God, he doesn't throw in the towel, he doesn't give up, he's going to keep working on you until the day that you see Jesus. That that process of sanctification, this process of upward movement is something that he is passionately involved in and he doesn't give up on. That's incredibly hopeful because we just need to recognize, again, that's the course that we're on. We're on this meant-to-be-upward course. Now, again, that probably just makes great sense, but I probably should just try to say it again. I just want to make sure that you know you're not alone in this. It's a weird thing, but sometimes, for other people, but you know, you know how it works. Sometimes we come to church and we kind of think that other people might be doing life differently than we are. And so sometimes because you don't know people that well, you might come here and think, boy, some of these people are perfect. Like they never have a bad day. They do everything well. They always do the right thing. They're just such godly people and not me. I still seem to have so many flaws. I, I mean, I, I still, I, I mean I, I, there's still so many things that aren't going well for me. And, and sometimes you think you're the only one. You, know, you think, okay, well, they, everybody else is, 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 they've already done right. And you feel like, I'm hoping to be growing, and yet I have a long way to grow, but that's the path of the just. That's the path that all of us are on. That's the path you want to be on, not the path that finds you perfect today, but on that path that's saying, God, I want to grow. I think about it this way. John Newton said it, the author of Amazing Grace said it in one of the most kind of familiar, just powerful little nuggets. In fact, it's a much longer quote for anybody that wants to look it up later, but I'll give it to you this way. He simply said, I am not what I ought to be, but still, I am not what I used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace yet more, I am not what I will be. 
He says, here's the thing. I mean, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. He kind of just shares in the midst of it. He says, here's the thing. I'm not what I was. I was back there. That's not who I am. I mean, what I used to be is no longer what I am. God has been at work in me, but I'm not what I should be. I'm, I'm not the kind of thing that say, okay, I'm already, you know, fully, I'm, I'm in this place of I'm not what I was, but I'm not what I want to be, not what I should be, but God's grace has brought me this far, and His grace is not done with me. And if he gives me more time, I'm going to be on this upward journey where I'm going to be growing. And that's the path that I need to be on. Now, in one sense, I'm hoping that that just kind of resonates inside. Some of you are like, that's me. I mean, that just, that just resonates with where I am and who I am. And again, part of the, the, the power of this is to recognize that's what the godly life looks like. That's the life that Jesus has invested himself into who started a good work in us, and he doesn't instantaneously make us perfect, but he, he's growing us, and he's not going to give up until the day we see Jesus, and that's the road that you're invited to be on. That's the road that he's inviting you to be on, where you would say, okay, here's the path of the just. It's like the shining sun, like the dawning of a day, like you just watch the sun beginning to shine, and, and just a little bit over the horizon, and each, each moment it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter, until finally it's going to burst forth in brilliant light. And so will we on that day that we see Jesus, because that shine shines brighter and brighter until that perfect day. That should be you. And again, I hope it is. But again, part of this is an invitation to make sure you're still on that journey. Because this is the way that the Christian life is supposed to work. Sometimes it happens where, you know, we get into this kind of upper movement and we just begin to kind of level out and even maybe kind of like just kind of, you know, and God has to be kind of like, hey, just trying to pick us back up. And so part of what's supposed to be happening here in the book of Proverbs is calling us like, admit you need more. Admit you need more wisdom. Admit you want to grow. Admit that you're not yet perfect. Admit that you need more help because that's what this is supposed to look like. Like the Christian life rightly lived is on this upward growth. Wow, that's just, I mean, that's good all by itself. And again, hopefully just resonates with where you are. That in, in contrast though, he gives it to us in verse 19. He says, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not even know what makes them stumble. In contrast to this path of the just that's on this upward movement in, in, in light, he says the way of the wicked, they're, they're darkness. And that kind of darkness makes it so they don't even understand why they do what they do. There's, there is this place. They don't even know why because there's not this growth and uprightness in, in, in space. Instead, it just remains darkness. So out of that, he's calling us because that's what we want. We want that upward growth. Verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. My son, again, he just kind of repeats it. It's not a, a new um, talk. It's kind of in the midst of it, but it's personal. It's like, I'm speaking to you, son. I'm speaking to you, daughter. I mean, you need to be paying attention. You need to hear these words. You need to incline your ears so that you would be listening to, to what's being said to you. You need to make that a part of, of where you are. He says, you know, do not let, let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Listen to it, keep it. I mean, you've, you've heard that, again, a dozen times tonight in different ways. Get it, listen to it, don't let it go. Make sure that you're one that is, is one that makes that a priority, that you're one that doesn't let it depart from your eyes. You're one that keeps it in the midst of your heart. 
where you hold on uh, to what it is that God has for you. And he lays out again the benefits. He says, if you do this, they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Like this would be life. This would be the kind of thing that brings you both life. This would be the kind of thing that brings you health. This is the kind of thing that would bring you to a healthy life, not just physically, really we're speaking emotionally, spiritually. He says, that would be what would be there for you. So he's kind of led to this moment. Now, again, if you're kind of following this talk and we're just kind of moving through it in a way, he's saying, okay, you need this. You desperately need wisdom. Stay off the, the wrong path. Be on the right path, which is this upward movement that you want to be on. Get wisdom. Don't let it go. Now he dives just a little bit kind of into the where that happens. And these last verses from verse 23 to 27, he does an incredible job of just helping us look at that space where wisdom is meant to be found and growing in your life. And there's just a bunch here, but for time's sake, we're just going to hit it kind of quickly, but there's more for you to dive into on your own, and I hope that you would. Verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it sprang the issues of life. Again, if you have a highlighter, if I had a highlighter, I'd highlight that section because, again, it's kind of like, okay, here's the point, keep this. Or you can just kind of circle, hey, keep this, protect this, guard this. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Hey, quick FYI, because we're Americans, we need to make sure we hear it. We think about heart as the emotional center of, of our being. That's not the way the Bible looks at it. It's not the way the Hebrews look at it. It really is the person on the inside. The Hebrew word lab doesn't speak of your emotional center, but we might say the real you, the inside person, the person that you are on the inside. The person that is taking place, you know, behind the scenes, not just the appearance of what people see, but the person that's under sight, he says, that's the place of wisdom. That's where you need wisdom, in the person that you are on the side. Keep your heart and do that with diligence. Do that with tenacity, the kind of thing that you recognize that that's what you need, because out of that, out of that, because from who you are on the inside, that's what springs or issues or everything flows out of that. That's where life comes from. So there's this space that is the you on the inside. That's where you need wisdom. The wisdom that isn't just concerned about what people, th- you think, but what people think about you or looking good on the outside, the person that you are on the inside. It's just, that's where you want to be. You want to be focusing on being transformed that because everything that you really are flows out of that. Jesus would say this over and over, but I'll just give it to you once there in Luke, where he says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What comes out of your mouth came from your heart. What flows out of your life really does come from that person that you are on the inside. That's both positive and negative. He would say it a number of times negatively, where he'd say, okay, there is a propensity that we have of blaming other people. Like, it's just somebody else. Like, you made me do it. Like, like you pushed me. Like, you, 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 you got me angry. And so I said some mean things, but it was really not me. It was you. And Jesus said, oh, if, you came, if it came out of your mouth, it was you. It was the person that you were on the inside. And like a sponge that is squeezed, what's on the inside came out, it was you. And, and so what, what happens is when those bad things come out, we need to recognize that there's a heart issue that needs to be dealt with. But also understand this, there's good. 
when good really does flow out of our life in a godly way, it's what God is doing on the inside, that he's changing us on the inside out. The righteousness that God is working isn't an external righteousness. It's not a hypocrisy. It's meant to be a reality. So he is in a business of changing you on the inside out in an incredible way. That's what he's telling us, and, and, he's, and he's calling us to it. But he's just giving it to us in a way of saying, you just need to make sure you see this seriously. I like it in the New King James, but I really like the New Living Translation of this verse as well. So I'll just put it on the screen where he simply says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Like the course that you're going to be on is going to come out from the person that you are on the inside. That's, that's just the way this works. The, that, that, you know, we, if we could see what's on the inside of you right now, we would know where your life is going because your life is being determined by the person that you are. Doesn't mean it's happening today. Doesn't mean it's all going, you know, that we have lots of ways that can kind of cover that up for a period, but both good and bad, who we are on the inside is going to determine where our life goes. And so he just says, okay, you need to make sure that you see that wisdom is seeping to shape that part of you. Now, if that's helpful enough, it really is, but he gives us a couple pieces that lock into it, that, that just say this. Oh, by the way, before I do that, the bottom of the page, I give space where you guys could just kind of do, put like drawings or anything else. I, I haven't got any of you that have sent me any pictures. So I'm assuming that either none of you are artistic or you're embarrassed, but I'm kind of hoping that you would because there is something about just seeing some images. I'll just toss in one there with just kind of this picture of guarding your heart and kind of plants and flowers, the idea of everything's flowing out of this, that, that what your life is would be a part of that. And again, if you have a better image, I've seen a few, but I'd love to see yours. Well, again, he's calling us to this. He's calling us to keep our heart, to, to see what it would look like, to hold on to this. And so out of that, in this place where he's saying, keep your heart with all diligence, he gives it to us this way. He says there in verse 24, he says, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. If you get what God's trying to do into you, then you ought to put this away. Don't do this. Deceitful mouths... And, and perverse lips, you know, make them far from your life. Make them something that is not a part of it, or we would say it simply this way, don't fake it. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't try to be a hypocrite. Now, you might think, who would try to be a hypocrite? We do sometimes. Where we think that actually what's important is what people around me think about me, instead of saying, it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks about me, it matters who I am. I'm not really worried, I'm not, I'm not gonna make that the place of my focus where I'm going to be focusing on being deceitful, saying one thing, meaning another. I want to focus on the person that I am. If I really want wisdom, the kind of wisdom that God is going to give me is not the kind of wisdom that makes me look better than I am. It's going to help me be better than I am. It's going to change me from the inside out. So I just need to make sure that that's what I'm pursuing as well, that I, I am not looking at that. I don't want that. I don't let it be a part of me. It says, instead, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Or I would say it this way, just be present right where you are. I mean, we're on this journey. None of us are perfect. We are on that upward course of the path of the, just, the righteous getting better and better. Be right where you are. Be right where you are. And, and, and figure out what the next course is. Keep your eyes right there. Your, your eyelids look right in front of you. And with that, he really ties it in in verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. I'm just going to circle the word ponder there just to kind of give it to us. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the path that your feet are on. 
I want you to think about where that is and let all your ways and, and what will flow out of this, that, that if you would do that, then all your ways would be established, all your ways would be there. Or we would say it, you know, maybe this way, be intentional. Be intentional about what you're doing. And the idea here is the course of your inside life. Again, this is a powerful verse, and sometimes people will take it in the idea of, of your career path or um, relationships. And honestly, there's, there's power in this verse in that, and if it meets you in that, that's good. But if you're catching the context, we're trying to be on the path of the just. We're trying to be on this one that's getting brighter and brighter and brighter until the full day. Pay attention to where you are. Pay attention to what God's trying to teach you. Pay attention to what's right in front of you. Pay attention to the lessons that he's trying to grow you. If you would think about that, if you would say, okay, God, I want wisdom, and I need wisdom right here, you know, and I need wisdom right at this. Place. If you do that, then, then it will flow into your life because you're saying, I want this, Lord. I, I want to be real. I want to be the person you want me to be, and I want to be, and the only way to do that, the only place I can live is right now, and where I am. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I want to be. I'm right here. Then I want to figure out, God, what do you want me to do right here? What's, what's that? I want to think about the person that you're trying, the, the lesson you're trying to teach me right now, the, the wisdom that I need right in this moment. He says, if you would focus on that, then it would flow into your life everything that God would have for you, that he would begin bringing you into this space. And so he says, you know, do that. And then he just kind of locks it down there in verse 27. Don't turn to the right hand or the left. Remove your foot from evil. He says, when, you, when you're on that, don't turn from that. Now, this is one of those powerful phrases that, you know, some of you would recognize in the, from the book of Joshua when Moses would speak it to Joshua and say the same thing. Yeah, you know, don't turn to the right hand or the left. Like, don't turn off. I mean, the idea, don't turn aside. You know, don't, don't veer off course, don't go any other way. So much to be said in that, but let's again just let it soak in for this moment. The path of the just is getting brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Um, be where you are, be real, and don't turn aside. Don't give up, don't, don't, don't veer off course, just like, okay, God, this is where I am, this is what I need, and I need you. Guys, that's what he's giving us because he's giving us this whole place where he says, if you would do this, if you would do this place where you're focusing on that place where God would give you wisdom, it would absolutely transform your life. It would absolutely bring you into a good space. I just want to give you that invitation. I mean, again, we said the same thing in a dozen ways tonight. You don't have it, but it's possible. Wisdom is available. But you got to admit you don't have it. You got to ask for it. You got to look for it. And it would change your life. It would change who you are. And if you would let God do that work inside you, it would be a good work. Now, I knew this for us who are in Christ, it's going to draw us to Jesus. I mean, we think about it. He began a good work in us. He's going to complete it until the day of Christ. I think about how he would tell it to us in the book of Colossians that Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, that he'd simply say, okay, this is what you need. And it's encapsulated in Christ. And in a hundred ways it is. He's the amazing grace that brings us out of what we were to where we're going. He's the one that starts that good work in us and completes it until the day of Christ. He's the one that is the fountain and the source and everything that is wisdom. I draw you to that as we close this evening because we've come into a space where we've been thinking about this and thinking about, you know, just recognizing our, our need and our desire for Him 
And we're going to kind of transition into a place where we're going to take communion. Now, it's the last Wednesday night of the, of the month, and so some of you might recognize we do communion differently on Sunday mornings and Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we're going to give you a space that as we kind of just take what we've heard and seek to kind of press into it, we're going to give you that opportunity to take communion. And here's how it works. I'm going to pray, and Pastor Phil's going to lead us in a couple songs. And in the midst of these songs, we're just going to invite you to take communion. Now, a little bit differently than we've done it over the last couple months, we're going to put the communion up here. So there'll be one right here in front of me. We'll put one over here by the door over there. So there'll be a couple places where you can come up and take communion, and you have a couple songs. So don't feel like you have to rush up here. You can come and take communion whenever you're ready. When you want to just make that your focus and, and make Jesus your focus, you can take communion up here. You can take it back to your chairs. Uh, that would be great. And if you do that, by the way, there's little squares at the back of your chairs there that are made for communion cups. So you can take communion and then you can just put it there. So you don't have to sit there and hold it or break it as sometimes happens. Um, so again, just kind of inviting you into the, the, the place that you could do that. So whenever you're ready, take communion and then just go back to your chair again and just worship with us. But in the midst of that, just make this a, fo a place where we focus on Him. Again, it, it's a place where you're just given that invitation to recognize what this is. And again, everything that this is, is what Jesus is for us. He's the one that puts us on the path of the just. He's the one that rescues us from what we are, where takes us to what He's making us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. That's what John Newton wrote. That's where that quote comes even out of, like, this is amazing grace. By God's grace, I'm not what I was. By his grace, I am where I am. And by his grace, yet still, I'm going to be there. It's grace. It's Christ. It's what he's given to me. It's everything that I need and everything that you need. So one more time, I'm going to pray. Whenever you're ready, come up and take communion and then just worship with us. Father, right now, we thank you for just the, the way your word speaks into us, that you would sit us down as a father speaking to his children and say, this is what we need. We need wisdom. I just want to come again and say, I certainly do. If anyone lacks it, I do. We ask for it. We think about the wisdom that is Christ to us, that would be the one that would be this transforming thing that would be changing us on the inside out. That we would guard our heart with all diligence because it's there that you're transforming us. It's there that you're conforming and making and causing us to, to grow in this place where you would make us the people of God. Not in this fake outward hypocrisy that is so ugly to any who really could see it, but change from the inside out. Jesus, that's you. That's what you've done. That's what you're doing. Thank you that you've promised us, that you have started it, don't give up. You, you complete it until the day of Christ. Help us. Help us right here and right now as we remember you through communion to be encouraged on that journey, that we'd be on that path of the just getting brighter and brighter and brighter until the full day. Meet us now. Meet us here, Jesus, as we remember you. We do so together in your name, Jesus. Amen.